0: This is The Forge Ministry Podcast. The Forge Ministry began in 2022 with the purpose and burden of shaping, strengthening, and sharpening men for the ministry. Welcome to The Forge.
1: Thank you for joining us once again on the Forge Ministry Podcast. This is Brother Aaron. On the line with me is Brother Micah McCurry. He's the director of Bible Tracks Incorporated. We've heard from him once before, and it's a blessing to be able to have him back on to discuss um, uh, kind of an interesting topic and a passage of Scripture that deals with mentorship. Brother Micah, how are you doing today?
2: I am great. Great to be with you on the podcast again.
1: Well, it's a blessing to have you back on. We certainly appreciated the last time you were able to speak with us a little bit about uh, mentorship, and I was listening to a sermon that you had the opportunity to preach recently. Um, I think it was out of the Book of First Kings, chapter number two, and um, you you spoke about David's last charge to his son Solomon right before he died. I thought there were some very interesting points that you made in that message that have to deal with mentorship and this idea that we've been kind of propagating here on the podcast about bridging the gap between the older and the younger generation within ministry and within the church or the home. And so maybe just give us a little bit of your thought process on that topic out of 1 Kings chapter number 2, what the Lord kind of showed you there and how that applies to biblical mentorship.
2: Well, first of all, it's amazing how, uh, you know, out of the burdens that God gives you, the, the, these messages follow oftentimes. And this really, I was asked to preach at a conference and, and trying to figure out what to preach. You know, it's always one of those things, you know, you, you, you don't want to lay an egg anywhere, but I mean, to be blunt, you, you don't want to lay an egg in front of, you know, 200 other pastors for sure. And so you're trying to figure out where is the Lord have you. And
1: Especially if and a lot of those are what, people that you've known for like a long period yeah. of your life. It's <laughs> like you, you do want yes. to make a good impression. Like, hey, I'm not the you, idiot you, that you once remembered I was. <laughs>
2: you're, you're exactly right. Um, and, and to that point, some of the best sermon advice, sermon preparation advice that I've ever gotten was preach your message. And you say, okay, duh. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Don't just rip it off and group all the fires or sort of board. What I mean is... The advice that was given to me, and it was actually given to me by Pastor Joe Grimaldi, man, I worked for for five and a half years in Akron, Ohio. Preach your message, meaning preach the message they can't. Preach, if you're going to preach on a on a platform with a you know two, three, five, fifteen other people, look at what the perception and the ability and the thought process that God has given you, and preach your message. Uh, right. And so, as I was on this you know platform. Uh, I was, by far and away, um, probably, I'm trying to think here, I was the youngest by close to 15 years, at least 10 years. And on average, I was probably about 20 to 25 years younger than, if not more, than ev- every other person uh, preaching you were the scapegoat and, and if
1: it all went wrong right it, it,
2: it, exactly and and i will i will probably only be that for just a couple more years and um on any platforms and time will fly by very quickly and then i'll be talking about when i was a young guy but thinking about that i was like what can i say that actually that's coming from my perspective that's obviously biblical that obviously um we're trying to be a help to these men And so Lord led me and it's something I'd been kind of nibbling at and just working on for a while. I I had no idea when I would preach it. And it was one of those messages that I'd put a lot of time, effort, and energy into and Lord rewarded it, but it didn't come together until like the last 72, 48 hours before I was supposed to preach it. And uh, even though I was, I was trying to work it for the longest time before that, but regardless, first Kings chapter two, it's well just to read it just give you the context a little bit now the days of david verse number one now the days of david drew nigh that he should die and he charged solomon his son and i thought about that and one of the questions i asked was if you only had one message left to preach and you knew it if you only had one Sunday school lesson left to teach and you knew it if you only had one conversation to have with your children and you knew it what would you say And in a little research on it, I came across a man named Randy Pausch. He was a professor at a college on the East Coast thereabouts. And in short, he was given an opportunity to give a lecture in a lecture series called The Last Lecture. And that was actually uh, that had been the lecture series title for a long time. And he was given this opportunity. And in the immediate Uh, right before, I should say, right before he was given this opportunity, he found out he had terminal cancer. It had had cancer. They tried to fix it through chemo radiations and things. And a few weeks before he was asked to give this lecture, he was told that basically the treatment's didn't work. You're going to die and you have X number of months left to live. And so for him, this last lecture was actually a real thing. For most people, it it was not necessarily, you know, it was just a concept was more philosophical. For him, it was reality. And so he poured himself into about an hour and a half phenomenal lecture. You can find it on YouTube. It has like 10 million views. It turned into a New York Times best-selling book. with I think it sold five or 10 million copies. Wow. And Anyway, that thought just kind of captivated me. What would you say? And David, we're basically given here his his lecture when we see the the close of David's life, but in that thought, and was, I'm not gonna repeat the whole message, and maybe we'll post that up on the podcast at some point in the future or something, or you yeah. can link to it. But the at the close of David's life, one of the first thoughts that came to me was Solomon, who is arguably besides Jesus Christ, the wisest man that's ever walked the earth, still was wise enough was humble enough to go visit his daddy and i see so many men of my generation casting off the investment and the care and the heritage that's been passed on to them and throwing it by the wayside in pursuit of the glittery and the new and the you name it but uh, just a thought that that really grabbed me was that that picture of an old man who couldn't even keep enough body heat being attended to by his son right resplendent in his robes the picture of health uh incredibly wise man so very well respected to see him walk into that room and pull a chair up real close because david couldn't project like he did back in the day in battle he couldn't he, he could have roared and be heard by his mighty men across the philistines clash of shield and sword but today he was a weak old man in a bed with something to say to his son and that thought of getting close at the close of their life Get close to them, right? And and just the opportunity that I've been given, uh, the I could I could name the names. I won't for sake of time of the men that invested in me that have now gone on, right? And in the and, and what they meant to me, and you never know when that last time is. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you you really do know it's the last time. But there are times you see them at a conference and a meeting or what have you. They come through and preaching. I'm thinking of one man, he he was a, he was a church planner in in Kansas near where the church I I grew up my teenage years and this good man, faithful man. And when I heard that, heard that he had died, I was thinking, man, I wish, I wish I could go back and get close to him one more time. And so just a challenge and and, and obviously many more points, but that was kind of the start of it. And um, so really it it just kind of a burden of mine was birthed through this message And hopefully it was a a blessing to some folks.
1: So one thing that you said that uh, I'll just, and and in the interest of all the listeners, Brother Mike and I doing a short podcast is uh, just humorous in and of itself. I don't know two people that like to talk more than the two of us, but um, (laughs) something. I could probably name you a few. (laughs) 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 Yeah, maybe it's just a common thing with our type. But uh, one of the things that's interesting to me about, the idea of mentorship in general, and and maybe not wasn't necessarily included in the message, but something you had just said was David as an old man, he couldn't even heat himself. It's one of the more odd passages in the Bible where they go Mm -hmm. out and they find essentially a young lady to keep him physically warm so he didn't freeze Mm -hmm. to death. And I do think it's an interesting principle that in our latter years, one of the things that keeps us spiritually hot is to be around younger people who are producing heat. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously this may not apply to us directly now in ministry because we are, you know, we're not in David's position at the latter end of our life that we know of. But um, it, it's it's an interesting philosophy because that whole generational gap, there's there might be a man of God who is at a place in David's ministry, where he doesn't have a lot of time left, and having spiritual heat is difficult, but the more that he is, you know, kind of given a chance to have influence and to be around a younger man, like a brother Micah or brother Aaron, the more it actually does kind of warm them spiritually, and it brings about almost a new life that maybe was dying off otherwise, where they still have something left to give in their latter years because of the warmth of somebody else.
2: Absolutely. I was recently recording a podcast for the huddle, which is a, which is a broadcast put out by the Midwest Christian boys football camp, just kind of five minute day thing. And one of the thoughts that God gave me for that particular day was your respect for and your remembrance of, and your recollection of legacy. And those that have come before, and a thought that struck me—it wasn't in my notes, it wasn't something I'd counted before—but while I was talking, it occurred to me that these men have done so much for me, and truthfully, I've done so little for them. In the grand scheme of things, the best way I can reward their investment is to go on and live a faithful life. Correct. And after they're gone, they faithful—you know—the the great God witnesses, they get to see it, and that's how we can say thanks. That's absolutely. But to your point we do have an opportunity while they are still here with us and Lord willing for many more years, but we can be that little bit of a spark. We can be that uh, fire brand that keeps them warmed up and, and in the fight. Cause I'm not looking. And, and that's, that's one of the points I, I would like to make very apparent is, you know, through this emphasis on the you know, forge and these young guys doing a podcast and all that type of stuff. I'm looking to work alongside and partner with these guys. We, speaking of the older generation, I'm not looking to replace them anytime correct. soon. I want them to be around as long as God has for them and for us to link arms. And uh, we'll probably talk about this at a later podcast uh, about the, the and the baton. But one of the, the point there's so many great applications there. But in passing the baton, there is a transfer period. There is a space on the track where you are running stride for stride with the one who's handing you the, the baton. And I want that to be, honestly, I want that to be lengthened. I want us to be able to run together for a little while. Now, there will come a time when they have to let go and I have to take off and, and keep running. But in the meantime, I'm not looking for them to stop as they're coming around turn four and throw the baton to me. No, I want them to run all the way up and run through their course of the race. And so you're exactly right. Our opportunity to be a blessing to those that have come before is
1: immense. And to your point there with that illustration specifically, you know, I've never run track and field, but in order to do that, whatever speed they're running, the person receiving the baton can't be standing still when the handoff happens. That person needs to be up to speed and already doing something before that happens, which in my mind takes me to the Acts chapter number 13, where the Holy Spirit says, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have caught. They were already up to speed. It wasn't as if they were standing around, you know, with, you know, their hands in their robe. I don't know if they had pockets on their robe, but, you know, and and just standing around doing nothing, they were already doing something. They were already up to speed, and you see the Lord say, okay, it's their turn to run now because they're they're already up to speed. And so it can't be a disconnect where, well, I'm not going to do anything until they decide to just hand me the keys. That's not how this works. You already have to be up to speed and moving the same direction at the same rate of speed as they are in order for this to be a seamless handoff.
2: You're exactly right, and, and, and there's so many illustrations that we'll reserve. I'll just give you one more though, like just a practical thought. To, for that to happen, for you to actually be an encouragement to the previous generation and accept the baton, you have to be in the same lane as them. You have Correct. to be, you have to, you have to be, you know, the truths that they're trying to pass on, you have to be willing to accept those. You can't be and, and and to be to be honest. I am thankful for all the guys on the right side of me, and I'm thankful for all the guys on the left side of me. I don't I don't spend a whole lot of time poo-pooing guys and and beating them down. And for the for the warriors that do and all that, uh, Lord bless and keep. Him. Why curse but, the darkness
1: uh, when you can light a candle?
2: Right, right. And so I, I, I'm I'm but but I will say all the guys that are running the same race, even if they're a couple lanes over left or right for me, praise God for them. But I will say I'm, I chose the lane that I'm in very purposefully. And one of the main reasons is because the people that have run this lane before there are some we can we can name the names, but I want to be in the same lane as the guys that were on my Wheaties boxes as right. kids as, as a kid. I want I want to be in that lane. I'm not interested in someone else's lane, the newer lane, the what we, I'm looking for this lane. And so the best way to be an encouragement to those heroes of yours is to be in the lane and charged up ready to go as they come around that corner. I
1: would I would agree with that fully. One of the things that you had mentioned, you know, in that message that uh, you preached um, that I thought was a really interesting point was in David's last charge to Solomon. One of the things that he talks about is how Joab needed to be handled. And Joab, I agree, is a very mm-hmm. interesting character in scripture. And there's no way that you can have a true Effective, let me qualify an effective mentoring relationship without a level of vulnerability and honesty that may not always be present in every relationship. Mm -hmm. And David had to be pretty honest with his son about the fact that I tolerated this guy and I knew that he was loyal to me even if he did wrong, but there's nobody else that's going to be able to handle him. And This is, you know, I've probably let this go longer than I should have, but I knew that he was loyal to me, and so I. But I'm telling you now, he needs to go, and you need to have right. this. You know, you need to have Beniah take care of this, for lack of a better term, and he needs to kill Joab, and you, right. you can't, you can't tolerate him. And I thought it was an interesting point you made that, you know, that the Davids who are charging the Solomons in this particular situation have to have an honesty and at at times even a vulnerability about the things that they've struggled with or the things that have been left undone that probably need to be corrected in the future ministry.
2: Absolutely. And so I I kind of the point I made there from the younger man's side, the the counsel of the younger younger men was the consideration for David's limitations. You realize that the men that came before are not and never have been There's never been a generation of men that came before that were perfect. And for us to judge them as harshly as they often do. And and just to make a slap at the you know, the guys that run the anonymous accounts on Twitter posting, you know, clips of preachers, all that all that type of stuff, you know, have at it. I'm glad you have that much time in your hands. Praise the Lord for you. But at the same time, what I see is a man that didn't get in a huff, And get all, speaking of Solomon, he did not get all bothered by, he was mature enough to be able to handle a discussion by his father, basically enumerating his faults. And then from David's side, the point you were making, David being willing to reopen some wounds, rip off some scabs for the sake of the next generation to say, yeah, I didn't handle this guy correctly, I didn't handle this guy correctly. Uh, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to deal with them I didn't i dropped the ball there but solomon I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom I've got some names written down in a little black book that need to die and there's right. some and the, one of the points I made was in the message was there's a lot of battles that have been fought generationally meaning they they cropped up in the 70s the 50s even or the 60s 70s and then they, they squashed that one in the 70s and that popped up again in the 90s it popped again up again in the early 2000s and now and then this generation is fighting the same battles here in 2023 and to see how some of these things and then they you know some of these battles they repackage themselves and they change and they they morph a little bit to appeal to another generation uh but the opportunity for the older men to own up to mistakes if you will for the sake of training the next generation and then for the younger men to be willing to be gracious i mean we, we it's funny we're willing to give grace to everybody except for the previous generation i'll be honest there are a few right. things that torque me off than guys that preach grace all the time but won't give it to the 70 year old men in their life so i would i would hasten to encourage the younger men to have some consideration for the previous generation's limitations because if you don't the same measure with which with which you meet i'm pretty sure it would not surprise me at all if the next generation treats you the exact same way as you treated just out of sheer uh justice of god
1: well the sowing and reaping principle is not going to be betrayed now but to mm-hmm. your, you know to your point um I, it's interesting because different men god gifts them different ministries and different phases of ministry so in that, if you go to First Chronicles, you see a different um, recounting of David making preparation for the future temple mm-hmm. that he wanted to build. That was in his heart to build, but God wouldn't permit him to do that. And one of the things that God tells David about Solomon, he says, "Behold, a son shall be born to thee, who shall be a man of rest, and I will give him mm-hmm. rest from all of his enemies." Roundabout, and then he says, I'll give him peace and quietness unto Israel in his days. That's an entirely different kingdom than what David had. David did not have rest, he did not have peace from his enemies, but it was the same God, it was the same, it was the same kingdom, if you will. And I'm not trying to say our church and ministry is our kingdom, that's not the application I'm making. What the application I'm making is you have two different men who essentially had the same job in two different eras, and each era looked very different by design of God from the other, and that was exactly how it was supposed to be. And so we live in a different, we live in a digital world now where, you know, the, the older analog, you know, and, and pen and paper society is not the same as it is now. And right. ministries are going to look somewhat different in some facets, but it's the same God, it's the same Lord, it's the same faith, same baptism. And what one person may have inherited, which was, I had to fight all the battles, kid, and I had to kick people out of the land, Solomon is going to deal with an entirely different set of problems and an entirely different ministry than what God gave you. Just as Moses' job was to deliver the people out of the land of Egypt, it was Joshua's job to take them from the wilderness in and conquer the land and drive out the inhabitants. You know, Moses, God, God tells Moses, he said, Hey, listen, you need to go in and tell Pharaoh to let those people go because I'm bringing my armies out. It's interesting because they never drew a sword. They never actually became an army until really Joshua took over and you see them actually physically confronting. So ministries will look different in different eras because God has allowed that to be the case. But what we can't do is nitpick the eras. And to your point, right. say, well, you know, if I was in my father David's shoes, this is what I would have done. And then David's saying, well, listen, you know, bud, you didn't have to deal with all the problems that I had to deal with. And that's why you don't know anything. And that's why you're not going to be effective because your ministry is not mine. And we're saying, well, yeah, you're out of touch because that's not the point. The point is that God's will right. is going to look different. And, and you know, there's, there's basic tenets that we all have to follow, but he's got a different path for us. And, and ministries are going to look different.
2: Yes, sir. And, and to that point, if I can, I, I, I believe my track record proves my respect uh, for the, the older men. And I, I I can only say a hearty amen to everything you've just said. I, I think we sometimes forget that we, well, <laughs> a bit, I'll put it this way. One of the best ways I've heard this quote is independent is our first name. You know, independent female Baptist. Independent is our first name, and it should be a big part of who we are. And that's independent between generations. That's independent. Like what you do in Fort Walton Beach may will be and should be different than what my local church pastor does in dwight illinois but that also applies between the generations too but kind of kind of continuing on if i can with great respect for the older men i point out the clarity that david left realizing first you just alluded to first chronicles 29 and verse 22 and did eat and drink before the lord on that day with great gladness is talking about a coronation of Solomon, and they made solomon the son of david king the second time. Now, why would they need to do that? Well, Solomon had already been crowned. Basically, David had said, this is the guy. Correct. But there are some rumblings of Adonijah and some, different, uh, some other half brothers of Solomon and things Some guys that are going to be jockeying for the throne. And David wanted to make it exceptionally abundantly clear who next man up was. And they crowned him again, went through all the pomp and circumstance. And crowned him the king second time the point that i'd like to just convey is that for for the older man, could i be could i encourage you to be very clear with how much you uh, trust the next generation right. uh i don't want don't, to don't make too big a point of it but if you look at some of the books that we that we shout about paul writing and guess he, he actually was. he was a human pen that god used he signed a lot of those books, Paul and Timotheus, and then right. used the word we a lot. And so for Paul to feel confident enough in Timothy to co-sign part of the canon of Scripture, that, that says a lot to me about Paul's respect and trust for the man to come after him. And I'm thankful for the men that have trusted me. And I can't tell you, uh, my father-in-law, Pastor Daniel Woodward, often talks about one of the biggest missing links in modern young men is the validation of a father figure. Right. And that's very true. One of the reasons football camp, Midwest Christian Boys football camp exists, is to help be a part of, of, of kind of currying, kind of sowing a, a, a crop of biblical masculinity. Mm. But that that validation of a father figure, it applies ministerially as well. And so I I'd encourage men, as we do everything our most to respect, and encourage and work alongside you, if you would, please find those young men um, that are worthy of being co-signers on your life's work and uh, worthy of being crowned, e- even while you're living, to give them the keys to the kingdom, uh, that, that is a, that's a pretty big step David made.
1: I would agree there. One, one thing in closing, I think it's interesting in the message that you preached. You know, there's, there's like three main tenets of that address before he gets into some specifics. He tells him three things. He says, be strong, show yourself a man, keep the charge, walk in the ways of the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. Almost, the, almost verbatim, if you read in the New Testament, the book of 2 Timothy, mm-hmm. you, you have almost the exact same message with almost the exact same words from Paul's essentially last letter to Timothy and last address to Timothy. And I, I just I found it kind of an interesting correlation. He tells him second Timothy chapter two in, in the first verse, he tells him to be strong. And, you know, that hey, I'm 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 coming down to the end, you know, that's that's essentially what, you know, David tells Solomon, he says, listen, I'm going the way of all the earth, right? <laughs> like, I'm about to take the dirt nap that everybody takes. And that's what Paul tells Timothy in chapter 4. He says, listen, I'm ready to be offered the time of my departure is at hand. Okay, You're not going to be hearing a lot more from me. It, it's not going to be long now. So he tells him, thou therefore my, strong, my son be strong in the grace as in Christ Jesus. So he tells him, first of all, to be strong. Then, you know, David says, hey, you're going to have to show yourself a man. Okay, you're going to have to step in and you're going to have to accept kind of uh, all of the good and the bad that comes with this position. And in chapter 1 of 2 Timothy, verse number 8, Paul says, be, thou there, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony, but he says, Be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. And essentially what he's telling us is you're going to have to man up. And you're going to have to accept the responsibility that comes with this. You're going to have to be strong. You're going to have to bear the responsibility. And then, you know, famously in chapter number three and in several other places, he tells him, "...continue in the things which thou hast learned and has been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them." And he talks about how he knew the scriptures from the time he was a child, which is exactly pretty much what David told Solomon, which is, hey, listen, be strong, take responsibility, and stick to exactly what you've been taught. And I find that those right. are tenets that a lot of times in Scripture you see the same things passed from a mentor to a mentee on that kind of last send-off.
2: Right, and wh- why would we want to reinvent the will and create anything else? But that's exactly the purpose and driving force behind the Forge ministry. That's what we're trying to do.
1: A hundred percent, and it's not, it's not once again to... Um, you know, to say that we found some sort of new doctrine or new truth, or, Hey, they point out this massive problem that, you know, a couple of 30 year olds have found, you know, who are we to give advice <laughs> to anybody about anything? But the point is, is that this was the reason we're so passionate about it is because somebody did it for us. These are conversations right. that maybe we've already had. I have a, a very close mentor of mine who's in heaven and we've had some of these conversations and we don't get to have any more. The time of his departure came and went, and right. I have some mentors that are still with me, and I thank God for them. And these are conversations that we encourage and that we try to have. It's not like, it's not like we're trying to build um, a, a group for ourselves where, hey, let us teach you, you know, everything that we know. What we're saying is this is something we're actively doing with older men in our lives, and there's so much value that we take from this, and it's so impactful what we learn and what we glean, how could this not be propagated in other places?
2: Absolutely. You're, you're exactly right. I think the uh, our burning desire is that other men would catch a burden for it and maybe go on and do greater things for the cause of biblical mentorship than we ever will. Um, but I would challenge all those there listening to examine uh, for them personally. Do you have a Paul? Do you have a Timothy? Do you have Elijah and Elisha? Uh, what relationships do you have? And if you don't, I'd consider... Taking extreme ownership for that because um, the fact that, that you don't have a Timothy may not be because all the Timothys are immature idiots. And right. for those younger men, you you might not have a Paul. Uh, it's not because all the Pauls are old fogies. I think you might have to look at yourself and figure out why that is. Um, and as was already quoted uh, uh, previously, the podcast through desire, man having separated himself seeketh and into meddle with all wisdom. I think uh, we got to double check our desire level and uh, dive into this thing.
1: There's no doubt about that. I encourage you, listeners, to, if you don't have a Paul in your life as a younger man, find one. Be respectful to him and listen to him and sit at his feet as long as you can. And if you are in the latter years of your life in ministry, find a Timothy that you can invest in and pass that along to the next generation. Brother Micah, thank you for your time. It's always a pleasure. Lord willing, will speak again in the future and we'll look forward to some content Brother Micah is going to produce for the podcast here as well. Brother, you take care. Have a good day. Thanks again for coming on.
0: Absolutely. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this production of the Forge Ministry Podcast. You can continue the conversation and stay up to date with new releases and conferences by visiting ForgeMinistry.com. In addition, you can receive text alerts by texting the word FORGE. That's F-O-R-G-E, the word FORGE, to this phone number, 309-316-7240. Join us next time on The Forge Ministry Podcast.